The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good night. Welcome to the Catherine Zox Show. This informative and entertaining show will start your mornings off on the right foot. Here's your host, Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone. Good morning. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with the microphone, and you are listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Late Radio. You can listen to us every Wednesday, 10 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time, and also my new show, which airs on an FM station in Albany, New York, The Social Workers, WCDB 90.9, and that's an FM station in Albany, New York. But right now we have three guests coming up in this hour. My first guest is with me today already. She's here to talk about finding out what the foundation for authentic love is. We're all trying, I think, to do that. What is authentic love? But according to Barry Lyman, Meet to Marry, a dating revelation for the marriage-minded, which is her new book, we're not really going about it in the right way. My second guest is author Jonathan Dudley, author of Broken Words, The Abuse of Science and Faith in American Politics. And his topic today is, Should Conservatives Favor Gay Marriage? And last, uh, our guests are Patty Brisbane, Dr. Carrie Peterson, and they have a new ebook, Sexy Ever After, Intimacy Post-Cancer. So first, let's welcome Barry Lyman, CEO of Meet to Marry. Uh, nice to have you on the show this morning. Thanks, Catherine. Thank you for having me. Good morning. Yes, good morning. Great to have you, and I think your topic is of interest to most of us, to many of us, to those of us who are just starting out, to those of us who have been divorced and starting out again. I think you have a whole audience out there trying to find authentic love, but according to you, we're not really doing going about it in the right way. That's right. That's right. We need to be looking from the inside out. We need to be comfortable in ourselves. We need to know exactly who we are and what we're about. And then we need to articulate the kind of person that we need to marry based on, you know, that we need to spend our, that we want to spend our life with based on common vision, values, and goals. And then get out there and date, date with that, uh, with that in mind. Okay, you're saying common vision? values and goals, which may be a little esoteric for some of the daters that I know because they seem to want to go out there and find somebody who likes to do the same thing they like to do, you know, walk in the park, walk on the beach, watch television, go to a football game. But that's not what you're, you're saying. That's not real, what works. Right. I'm saying that we need to find someone who we can who we admire, somebody that we want to emulate and understand what it takes to create a marriage to stand the test of time. So basically, if we're looking at superficial interests, it's nice to like to enjoy doing the same things, but marriages really require true life partnerships where we admire each other, we enjoy each other's company, we share common worldview like spirituality, family, and then you have, you have a partnership that will stand the test of time. Unfortunately, too many people are doing uh, engaging in mystery dating where they really don't know what they don't discuss what the person is about. They're discussing what the person does, and and that's not really working. So you talk about creating a marriage vision. Um, what is that? So a marriage vision is when you. Look inside and you, you ask yourself, how is it that I want to live my life? What do I want to be doing? Where do I want to be? How do I want to spend my time? What kind of a person do I need to attract? Because when we're clear about ourselves and our own emotional needs, then we're able to articulate. For example, many people fall into bad relationships or, or people don't want necessarily the same things. So when you can imagine and articulate the kinds of a person that you need and you're clear about it, then when you're out there dating, you 
will recognize it. You'll to- you'll totally be clear that that you're meeting this this person. You have to define it for yourself, is what you're saying. I've never really heard it, and I think that's this is what's unique about your 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 book, your point of view, is because you know I never a marriage vision, and you're so right. People don't do that. They're out there and kind of helter skelter dating this person and that person, and and just simply basing it on superficial kinds of things. It would seem to me then you wouldn't waste a lot of time doing that either. You'd be much more focused on who you will or will not go out with. No, that's exactly right. When we know ourselves, then we're able to understand the kind of person we want to attract. So, for example, if you would ask someone the kind of a person they'd like to, how they'd like to envision their life, they would, they would, be, they would be clear about it from their, their inner soul. They could articulate that. You wouldn't say, well, I want to feel uncomfortable in a relationship. I want to twist myself into a pretzel. I, I want to feel unloved. Of course not. So when you're clear from yourself and you're positive, you're out there dating away from the superficial, stereotypical ways of dating, you can really, really move away from, uh, from the stereotypes and and discuss what's important, have meaningful conversations when you're dating. And if someone is not right for you, wonderful. Move on to the next person, and you'll know it when it's right. It's, it's very obvious when someone is right for you. I think you mentioned a, a sort of a glitch that I think a lot of daters get into, um, or people who are in the process of dating wanting to get married, is they get stuck, and they'll even stay with somebody who doesn't fit their marriage vision, even if, I mean, I think that's a problem, too. Even if they have a vision, like you're talking about, really understand who they are and where they're coming from, rather than they like to go to football games. Not that that's not important, but um, and they, but they get stuck and they stay with people who don't share that vision. So how do you get out of that, since you are the expert? <laughs> exactly. Well, <laughs> people, it, it all begins with us. We want to be marriage-ready and marriage-minded, and the elements of marriage readiness are maturity, generosity, and self-awareness. Those are the three elements. And many people are so unclear because of the, the status quo mystery dating that we go on. So basically, when we know ourselves, we uncover those blind spots and the stories that we're not in touch with about our past, then we're, we're free, we're clear. Some people have fear of commitment or fear of letting, fear of um, being in a, in a committed relationship, but that's really not their essence. That's not who they are. So when you're able to go out and date and be free, many people say that where they live, there's no one worth dating, or it's awful where I live, or men are this or women are this. This is just not true. You know, feelings are in facts. Facts are facts. So we want to take responsibility and be happy, love our lives, be free from our blind spots so that we can really, truly go out, vibrate positivity, and attract the right person into our life. Because when you know it, you know, if you trust your gut, when the conversation flows, when, when you have a common vision, it it just works so beautifully. So you have to have confidence in yourself. I think that's confidence in yourself and good feelings of self-esteem. And um, I think what you do in the book, or you put this all together into uh, three, they all begin with A, so we, they, we can remember them, but uh, assess your marriage right. readiness, track your ideal spouse, and act in the present. Well, we've covered some of that, but if you go through those, that three-step process, you should be in pretty good shape for finding the ideal marriage partner. Exactly. You want to start with being the one to find the one and having your own dating revelation. Because when you realize you're a unique person, you just need to meet one person, and where you live is fine, you will attract that right person. So, yeah, you just start with being clear and confident in yourself, articulate your marriage vision, understand the kind of person you'd like to attract, and then you get busy in action, dating for marriage, having meaningful conversations, and you will, you'll just love, love your life. You'll love dating. It's, it's just a great adventure in knowing that you're going to find that 
wonderful person who will be there for you unconditionally for the rest of your life. Sounds great. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a great formula. We just have to all follow it. And I want to take it back to one of the, the, the first A, the assess your marriage readiness. And you say, yes. uh, yeah, well, if, but you may not be ready because you don't, you know, you, you, one of the things you say you, in, in this, you know, assessing your marriage readiness, that you have to acquire new tools to develop a positive self-confident mindset and attitude so that you can empower yourself so you can attract a, a special person or an ideal spouse. How do you do that specifically, though? You know, like what? Did, I mean, I know that this comes from your own personal experience and not being able to do that. So you might want to talk about that to us, also. Well, one of the things that's really important is to be true to yourself. Is to actually articulate and enroll others that this is who you are and this is what you want. So I'll give you an example. A woman I met who I coached at a met her at a, a large dinner. She shared with the group that she is going to get her Ph.D., and this is her focus. She wants to do medical research. When we talked privately, she shared with me that really and truly that's her, uh, that's her second choice. Her true dream is to get married and have a family because she's 32. But So I asked her why she doesn't enroll people in that because that's how they see her. And she said, well, I've had a lot of bad experiences. I'm afraid it might not happen. And that's not a great way to, to really go for it. So first thing you want to do is really be honest and true to yourself and share that this is what you want because that will be the energy that you attract. If you really want to get married and find that person, you, you know, you just can't, you can't hide out and worry that other people, um, you know, that it'll scare them away or, or because that's just not the right person. So that's really the first thing is to be true to yourself. This is what I'm looking for, and that will be the energy that you create. You Would you recommend, Barry, if someone is continuing to date and it's not working out and there's this pattern, that they really do need coaching? I know you do coaching. Talk to us about that because I have, I'm thinking I have one girlfriend in particular. She seems to just do the same thing over and over. It never works. She never ends up with the right person. So there's something there, like you're just, it isn't, She's not being true to herself, but I think she needs help for that to find out what the real, you know, her That's real right. motivation. We want, to get, we want to get into reality. I mean, that was my history. I continually attracted people that were wrong for me. That was my that was my thing. Once I started to embrace my own humanity and realize the kind, how I wanted to be treated, what I wanted in a relationship, I was able to have a breakthrough to be the one and simply transform that. If someone is not aligned with you, you're able to you're able to recognize that and move on. But many people have a fear of letting go or a fear of loss that it won't happen. But it's just not the truth. By getting into to healthy thinking, uncovering that there's something about us that has us attract what we're thinking or, or something from our childhoods. We can really just let it go. It's, it's that much. You know, it doesn't take years and years of therapy to, to articulate that. It just is being, again, being true to yourself. And when I changed, when I became mother to myself and I embraced my own humanity and I realized that my top need was to feel cherished and to have partnership, I realized that the people I was, that I was attracting were the opposite of that. So when Barry, I became, did you have to, what was the critical moment for that? Did you have some kind of an aha moment? It, was it a friend who kind of made you take a look at yourself? Or was there a real crisis that precipitated you saying, wait a minute, this isn't working. I am not attracting the right kind of, uh, of men. I'm, I'm, I have to make some changes. How did that happen for you? Well, it happens in that I was 35, and I realized that if I didn't change, I looked at my background and I said, what is it about me that keeps attracting these wrong people? Now, they were fine. They just were not fine for me. So I decided to interrupt the pattern. And I'd always been studying relationship strategies. And I had a coach and I had been in therapy, but it didn't make a difference for me because I wasn't living it. So I stopped and I stepped back and I got advice, basically, and I had the aha moments, 
and I enrolled, a, I enrolled people, friends, you know, a coach, and I realized that it truly was me. And I step by step, like in my coaching program, I realized my dating blind spot and that I was, I had energy, I had thoughts about myself from the past. For example, there's something wrong. So I, I always have guys that made me feel like there's something wrong. So by having the aha moment, I was able to, little by little, make these changes in my life, like articulate what I wanted. Like I realized I needed to be cherished, and I started dating in such a way I, if I wanted a certain life of spirituality, and I wanted adventure, and I wanted partnership. So I started actually implementing those changes, and my life completely shifted. And now I have a husband who meets my emotional needs. I have the unconditional love. And using you having this aha moment and having a breakthrough causes someone to get into action right away and make the changes. So you can recognize, recognize um, the gap between who you are and what you want. Does that make sense? That makes a lot of sense. And when you tell us your story, it makes even more sense in terms of, you know, how, well, first of all, how it happened for you and how specifically to do it. Because you said one thing about the, the men that you were dating, and I think this is important to kind of reiterate. You said that they were fine, but they weren't fine for you. And there are a lot of women out there who will say, well, you know, I'm dating somebody. He's, he's responsible. He's a doctor. He's a business person but I, I'm not comfortable with this person. I don't know why. It seems to me that I just keep ending up with people who are not, they're not bad guys. They're not alcoholics. They're not, they don't have some right. major issues, but it's so important. And I, so I, I just want to reiterate that. You can be going out with good guys, but not for you. And so you really have to, as you say, find out the person you are um, and, and who, who you are. Um, and so, I mean, that is so key. It sounds so basic, but also I'm thinking... You were able to have that aha moment. You, you had coaching. You had been in therapy. Maybe we should get more um, more help before we make the cho- start dating or make try to make choices about getting married. We seem to get into therapy and coaching after we get into a marriage that doesn't work, or once we get divorced. Right? Why can't we do it beforehand? Well, I think that we can have a paradigm shift. Look, there's a hundred million singles. Forty percent of Americans are single. I think we need to start to love and embrace ourselves. I coach people who've been in therapy for years. I think therapy is wonderful, but what I'm speaking of is a breakthrough, having an aha moment, being true to yourself, and not not subscribing to the um, not subscribing to society's idea of marriage. We need to transform that because marriage is really so beautiful, where a person can grow. And Meet to Marry, in the book, I give coaching forms and coaching tools. In 10 questions, someone can actually have a breakthrough and realize where what they're thinking and what they're doing is not aligned with, who, with what they want. So it really just takes that, oh, wow, I, you know, I really do want to meet this right person, and I'm willing to do what it takes to do that meet a lot of people, have meaningful conversations, meet for coffee. Because very, very often we sit and we speak with someone on a date and we know the person is not right for us. Or we say we want someone warm, open, and loving, but in the back of our minds, that's not how we're being. We're being cynical and fearful and, 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 and negative. So when you have that gap, we have to recognize the gap find the blind spot, and really embrace, again, it comes down to embracing our own humanity. Know that if you're positive and you're self-aware and you are so clear about your marriage, your life vision, and how you want to feel in a relationship, believe me, when you sit opposite someone that is not that, you will recognize it and you'll attract what you want. It's, yeah, It really can happen that quickly, yes. Great advice, and there's more advice on your website and uh, meettomarry.com slash blog. That's the website, Uh, and the title of your book is Meet to Marry, a Dating Revelation for the Marriage-Minded, and I also see on your website, Barry, that you're going to be doing coaching um, soon, marriage coaching? Yes, 
Yes, exactly. So basically, anyone marriage can read the book. <laughs> yes, marriage readiness coaching in three sections. Be the one to find the one, and it's broken up into assess your readiness, where you can have that breakthrough. Everyone has access to a breakthrough. It really doesn't take take very long. Um, so we're going to be doing coaching on all three sections. It will be self-paced. People can join a webinar or even have one-on-one coaching. But no one will be left out. Anyone who reads the book or goes to the site and participates will be able to ask the questions and get the, have the breakthrough that they need. And when is that going to happen? Do we have a date for that if anybody's interested, or should they just keep going to the website to find out? Yeah, absolutely. So the book is launching this Monday, October 3rd. And between October 17th and the end of the month, the self-paced coaching will launch. And they will, you know, there will be announcements following as the, um, the webinars are going to be also available this month. And, um, yeah, a lot of exciting things are happening in October. So it's, it's really exciting. That's great. So just, uh, you know, listeners, just go to meettomarry.com. And you can purchase the book, obviously, online, bookstores everywhere, Amazon. Meet to Marry, a dating revelation for the marriage-minded. And we've been talking to Barry Lyman, founder and CEO of Meet to Marry. Thanks so much for being on the show this morning. You were great. Thank you so much, Catherine. I appreciate it. Have a good day. Yeah, we'll be back in a minute. We have two more guests coming up. You're listening to your social worker with a microphone, Catherine Zox, on VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. Coming up next is Jonathan Dudley, author of Broken Words, The Abuse of Science and Faith in American Politics, and we're going to be talking about Should Conservatives Favor Gay Marriage? Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit, and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and the Growth Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in your brain inspired really fast. All the time, the number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. Welcome back. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone. You are listening to VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. And uh, our next guests are Patty Brisbane and Dr. Carrie Peterson. They are authors of a new ebook, which is going to come out in October, uh, for, on October 1st, Sexy Ever After, Intimacy Post-Cancer. And uh, we're going to be talking about how you can overcome post-cancer side effects, uh, which affects your sexuality and intimacy, so that you can have heightened in- intimacy and, and what they describe as mind-blowing sex. Patty Brisbane is the founder of Pure Romance and creator of the Patty Brisbane Foundation for Women's Sexual Health. You've seen her on The View and CNN. And Dr. Carrie Peterson, MD, physician, board-certified internal medicine, is a contributor for Women's Health Magazine and frequently appears on the Today Show. Welcome to my show, ladies. Nice to have you on this morning. Thank Good you morning, Catherine. Catherine. Yeah, I'm particularly interested in your topic because... 
as a social worker, I did a lot of hospital social work, and you know, being sexy and intimate after cancer was a big issue. And you know, 20 years ago, no one talked about it, no one discussed it, including the physicians and even psychologists and social workers. So. Um, it's it's exciting that you have this book out, and um, let's talk a little bit about statistics and who this affects. Sure. This is Dr. Carrie Peterson speaking. Good morning, morning. everyone. And what I'd like to to say, many cancer has touched pretty much all of us. Either you yourself are a survivor or you have a friend or you have a family member that has been impacted by cancer, and you may know what treatment they had. You may know whether they're in remission or not. But what the majority of people don't realize is that cancer has a tremendous impact on your sexual health. And in studies, we have found that almost 100% of people reported that cancer had an adverse effect on their intimate lives. And intimacy is such a huge part of keeping your relationship strong that we decided, Patty and I, to write Sexy after, after, Ever After to address, uh, to be a resource to people to take back control of their bedroom life. I want to start with, ask, I'm going to ask you the question, I think just bringing up the topic of sex after cancer is an issue. I mean, I know that even healthcare professionals will say, you know, you're just lucky to be alive or that you're, you know, you're, you're so, you know, they don't, you know, that, you know, sex is, you know, make the assumption that perhaps that's the father's thing from your mind. Um, and so I think that's a major issue, just bringing up the topic. Yeah, I think sexuality that... is a vital part of your health. You want to go ahead, Patty? No, I just think that she's absolutely right that a lot of people see it as a luxury. You know, you're blessed to have your your life and, you know, we've saved your life. But, you know, these questions about intimacy, really, is it that important? I hear that a lot because I work with, you know, thousands of women and a lot of these women who have gone through cancer. And that's what I'm hearing back from them. And I think that it is important. This book is important because not everybody feels comfortable about talking to their health care provider or being open about this subject. Many people are very private. And uh, Dr. Carey and I like to call this a non-blush book where you can actually read this on your smartphone, that you can have it on your iPad or your Kindle and be able to have this information not only for yourself as a resource but also to share with your significant other. Um, sometimes it's hard to communicate with our significant other and tell them what our needs are. And through this book, sometimes both of them can get comfortable with being able to open up that line of communication to be able to pull each other through. And as a uh, an ebook, Patty, it's it's I think it's important not just to share it with your partner or your husband or spouse, but to share it with your healthcare provider. And that opens up the topic as well. It's maybe much easier to do it through an ebook than it is through actually bringing it up. You know, when you're sitting in front of this person, I get it. You know, after you've received treatment. Um, can we just now talk specifically about what we get from the book? I mean, because you cover, you know, you have like what five major areas, I guess. Um, if if let's 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 start with with the first one. Yes. Uh, would you like us, Catherine, to go section by section, or would you like us to give you an overview of the whole book? Yeah, just give us an overview of the whole book. If we, you know, we go online, we look at the book. It's not available yet, I guess, October 1st. What are we going to find? You know, somebody listening to the show. Initially, what we discuss is how your cancer diagnosis will impact you and your partner, and we discuss the most common cancers for men and women and how you and your partner can really deal with a cancer diagnosis, everything from how to choose an oncologist to how to communicate with your loved ones and as a partner how to deal with a, can- a cancer diagnosis. And then in the next few sections, we... Can I just add, address- before you go on, I have a question. Um, yeah. Yeah, Dr. Um, Dr. Peterson, because I think sometimes it's also a confusing. If you have breast, breast cancer, yes, one can, you know, people or couples will say, you know, that could be, you know, that's a problem if you're young and you have your breast removed or it's scarred, it's going to affect your sex life. Uh, organs that are very... 
specifically related to your sex organs, people understand that they may, that may affect your inti- intimacy. But there are other things in cancer that also can affect your intimacy and sex life. I mean, chemotherapy, radiation, t- you know, it's not simply if you have your breast removed that it's going to be a, a problem for, for sex or for intimacy with your partner. Not at all. In fact, there are so many other manifestations in the bedroom. For example, if you've been given a diagnosis of lung cancer and you have now had a piece of your lung removed, you can be left with shortness of breath, and it can make having stamina in the bedroom difficult, and it also can be painful. You may be left with a tracheostomy, which can impact your image of your body and be uh, really make you feel less sexual. Or if you've had colon cancer and you now have a colostomy bag, very challenging to manage in the bedroom and how to, we discuss in the book how to deal with it and make yourself comfortable sexually and to address your body image with a stoma or a colostomy bag. And then there are things um, more, more obvious, for example, in men, they may have prostate cancer and that can impact not only their, their performance in the bedroom through being impotent, but it can create incontinence. And having urinary incontinence can be, create a lot of self-consciousness. It can happen from prostate cancer in men or if you've had bladder cancer or uterine cancer and you need radiation. Uh, so the list goes on and on on how all different cancers can impact your health. Another one is infertility, for example. Several types of cancer will lead to radiation or chemotherapy that can impact your fertility, and you need to know these things ahead of time that you can plan for it. Also, and and either one of you can respond to this, but um, some of those things that you've just mentioned are are dramatic effects of of being diagnosed with cancer, but sometimes just being plain tired from the whole, whole, you know, getting from the medication, from the chemo, from managing your house to taking care of all the things one has to do when one has cancer, uh, that too affects your intimacy Mm -hmm. with your partner. And it's tough to prioritize sex when you're exhausted between work, your kids, dinner, laundry, and cancer. I mean, sex is going to come at the bottom of the list. And when you're tired, you, what, what happens next? You feel depressed. It can create anxiety. Uh, you, you have insomnia, which worsens your fatigue. Uh, so fatigue is, I think, one of the most common problems that men and women face after cancer. So now we have defined the problem. Now we go, you know, and, uh, but let's go on. So now what do you do? What are the kind of, well, how can we, how can you help all of us? I mean, as you say, I think all of us, have, I don't know anyone who hasn't been touched by cancer. Well, it's just like anything else. It's it's being having a goal in mind, and one of the things that is this I Patty is yes, this is Patty Brisbane. Okay. Um, I think having that communication door open and being able to tell your partner that you know I don't expect you to be clairvoyant, nor am I. So I'm going to be I'm going to need to come to you and tell you the things that I need, and I need you to be open with me too. Um, so I think that you, you've got to be willing to explore and, you, and redefine what your sexuality is all about. I mean, what you may have experienced uh, in the bedroom prior to cancer treatment may be totally, totally different than what you're going to be experiencing after cancer, but you've got to keep an open mind. Uh, I, I'm a firm believer that anything worth having is worth working for. And there is light. We want people to know through this book that you may be going through cancer, but we want you to know that you're not by yourself, that we're here to support you. This book is, is going to be a, a constant guide for you, uh, a reference, so to speak, to be able to go back to the book and see some of the things like, okay, I've tried this, but what else do I need to do? Um, and, and to keep an open mind. I think that's so important. Don't be down on yourself and don't beat yourself up. Up. I mean, you know, continuously keep trying new things. And we so have a, a wide array of wonderful things to try, just not one or two, but many different things. And I think keeping an open mind, as you said also, and I want to reiterate the first thing you said, that sex before cancer or sex after cancer may be different than it was before, but that's okay. It, you don't have to always be trying to get back to the way things were. Things have changed. 
And so the book is, is a reference to being able to do that, to make new choices, to do different things, to be maybe more creative. Um, this is a question for uh, Dr. Uh, Peterson. What about cancer at different ages? Are there, are there different issues that come up? Let's say you have cancer at 25 or a couple who has cancer, one of their partners, at, at, at 65. Absolutely. Uh, for uh, as you first off, different age groups tend to get different cancers and therefore different treatments. And so, a young woman who is faced with a 25-year-old more typically may get something like a lymphoma, which requires chemotherapy, or they may get breast cancer as a female. And the issues that they deal with are relevant to the period that they're at in their life. So a 25-year-old is going to be much more concerned about their fertility than someone who's in their 60s. So they are going to need to know right off the bat, do I need to prepare for this? Do I need to now freeze my eggs or freeze my embryos for down the road? Whereas, and oh, and another thing that a young woman may need to deal with is they may be set radically and quickly right into menopause from hormonal treatments required for certain cancers. And to have to face that as a 25-year-old versus a 65-year-old woman is devastating and not something you're prepared to do at that stage in your life. And so it can be very, very difficult in terms of your sense of confidence to, to be handling. And someone in their 60s who's already experienced menopause um, and who also may be at a a different stage in their sexual life. They maybe have been in a relationship for a long time already, so the dynamics with their partner is very different um, versus a 20-year-old, 20-something-year-old who might still be dating. So the, where you're at in your life in terms of your relationships and your sexual relationships will greatly impact how you handle them afterwards. Your life experience, I think perhaps that someone in their 60s is a little wiser and more experienced in how to communicate with their partner than someone who's in their 20s. So it really impacts emotionally, psychologically, physically, um, every area of your life based on your age. Yeah, it's so important, I guess, and that's why it's so important to to read your book and, and take it seriously and to know the questions because you've brought up so many issues, both of you, Patty and um, Dr. Peterson, um, so many issues and questions to ask your doctor and the specialists that you work with. I mean, you have to be really specific, don't you? I mean, it would seem to me this has to be something, as I said, this book needs to go to healthcare professionals or healthcare uh, providers. But um, what kinds of questions do you go, do you ask your doctor? I mean, I guess maybe we've covered some yeah. of them, but I mean, you have so many different kinds of questions depending on your relationship and your age and all of those things. We do. One of the things we start with is questions to ask your prospective oncologist. And several of them would be, for example, are you board certified in your specialty? How much experience do you have in treating my type of cancer? What hospital do you have privileges at? And in the course of that, ask yourself, did this person, this candidate, listen and to and address my concerns in a way that I understood? Did I feel rushed? Was the staff helpful and compassionate? Are the office hours for chemotherapy compatible with my schedule? So we really break down the preparation process for for people who are going forward with their treatment. So what are some of the, um, I mean, what is your experience, Dr. Peterson, uh, with patients um, who, I mean, you know, your book hasn't even come out yet. Can you give us any personal examples? Because I think that's always helpful, like real Real story. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Just, uh, just last week, um, I, have, I have a patient I've had for a long time. She's in her late 40s, and she had been married for about 20 years to the same man and, and just divorced him. So here she is out in the dating world after two decades and met a man, got involved in a new relationship, very excited about it, and two months into it was diagnosed with breast cancer. So here she is in this beginning of what should be an exciting time in her relationship, having to face going through a lumpectomy. And so she had her lumpectomy uh, in the early summer, and he was there by her side. Um, but she came to my office last week, and she said, you know, Dr. Peterson, 
I have not had sex since this diagnosis. I'm just really embarrassed to show him my breasts. And she said, can you please just give me your opinion as to whether you think I need reconstruction? So I brought her into the exam room, and I examined her, and what I saw as the reality was very different than her perception of her own body. What I saw was just a a small dimpling scar to the side of the breast, and what she saw was this deformity that was enough to inhibit her from having sex with her brand-new boyfriend. And so I really spent a lot of time reassuring her that her perception was not reality, that this was not something that he'd have an issue with at all and that she should feel comfortable with her body. And it was a lesson to me that someone's image of their own body is very different and the perception of oneself is very different than how others view them. Uh, that's an amazing. Uh, that's a great story. I mean, that is an amazing story. And, and one we're going to have to. We only have a couple minutes left, but I think that's a perfect example of what your book is about and what we've been talking about. Um, there's um, so much. I mean, there is, is is so much in the book. And fortunately, I have had the opportunity to have a, a copy of it. But um, this is going to be available October first. Sexy Af- ever after intimacy post cancer. And it's in the About Good in Bed guides, right? That's a, just tell us, give us a quick... Well, there's several ways that you can get this book. Um, From now until the end of October, you can go to goodinbed.com or you can go to pureromance.com. And Dr. Carrie and I are very passionate about this. And so we love paying it forward. And we're giving you this book through from now until the end of October for free to download. Um, after the end of October, you can go to anywhere ebooks are sold and you can purchase this ebook uh, for five ninety five. I think you both are doing great work and, and uh, I think it's, it's all I can say is um, I will continue to follow you and on your ebooks and uh, Patty Brisbane and Dr. Carrie Peterson. Really, thanks so much for being on the show. Thank, Thank you, you for so having much. us, Catherine. Yeah, we're going to be we're going to take a short break right now, and we will be back in a minute uh, with Jonathan Dudley, author of Broken Words: The Abuse of Science and Faith in American Politics. Um, should conservatives favor gay marriage? Don't go away. We'll be back in a minute. <laughs> Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Go behind the scenes of what you see, hear, and read on the news. Learn the ins and outs of public relations on Stars of PR with Cindy R. Every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time. Cindy Rakowitz is a Clio Award winner and founder of Rock and Roll Public Relations who wants to share her PR experiences and knowledge with you. Learn how to handle a crisis, deal with celebrities, and become a terrific PR executive. Listen to the stars of PR with Cindy R. every Thursday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time here on News Talk Radio, voiceamerica.com. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com You're listening to The Catherine Zox Show. If you'd like to join our conversation this morning, call now. The toll-free number is 866-472-5788. That number again is 866-472-5788. We're back with our next guest, Jonathan Dudley, author of Broken Words, The Abuse of Science and Faith in American Politics. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone on VoiceAmericaVariety.com and World Talk Radio. He and I are going to be talking, we're going to be discussing today, should conservatives favor gay marriage? That's the question, and that's what he covers in his book. Uh, welcome to the show. Nice to have you on this morning, Jonathan. Thanks for having me, Catherine. Yes, yeah, great to have you. That's, uh, you know, uh, I'm in New York State. And uh, we passed the same-sex marriage bill, so we're doing okay. But uh, yeah, you did. <laughs> but you would expect that in New York, so it's a little bit different uh-huh. here. But yeah, and um, you're talking about the GOP, the Republican Party, 
um, who don't seem to favor gay marriage, and they always revert back to the Bible, that the Bible says that, uh, you know, gay relationships, gay marriage is not a good thing, and you say, that's not true, that's just a cover-up, and, and there's nothing really in the Bible, I guess, that there's nothing really in the Bible that, uh, 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 that, uh, or that validates that, that uh, attitude. Yeah, um, actually, shortly before New York passed gay marriage, it's actually, I think, the week before I wrote in an op-ed on CNN's belief blog um, about this. And um, it's really more addressed to the evangelical community, which is kind of the core constituency of the GOP that um, kind of uh, keeps it from being more acceptable of gay marriage. And what I, what I tried to point out in that column is that um, there are actually a lot of things in the New Testament of the Bible that are condemned. Um, so, so I do think the Apostle Paul, who's the author who talks about same-sex relations, I do think he thought they were wrong. But he also thought a lot of other things were wrong that Christians uh, don't read as wrong today. Um, so, for example, um, he argues in 1 Corinthians that it's unnatural for men to have long hair and women to have short hair. And actually, um, that, that reason he gives there is actually the same reason he gives in Romans for condemning same-sex relations. He also says that's unnatural. So we have these two arguments from him. These are the only two arguments he makes where he condemns something as unnatural. And in one case, evangelicals read it as, you know, the hair reference is culturally relative and time-bound, but the reference on same-sex relations is just timeless, universal. Um, and I don't actually think there's a good argument to justify that inconsistency. So. And I also want to, because I didn't, besides being an author, in addition to being an author, you are in medical school at Johns Hopkins, and you have a, a degree from the Yale Divinity School. So uh, I, I, I want to make sure that listeners uh, understand that as well, know where you're coming from. Uh, yeah, so all this, a lot of the things that were written in the Bible, you know, feminism wasn't accepted, it was a patriarchal society, all of those things have evolved and changed. And there really isn't yeah. anything necessarily that came from God, uh, but just, with the, you know, white males, I think, wrote the book. <laughs> Yeah, basically, or at least yeah, pa- white male patriarchs who slept with whomever they wanted. As I, and when I read the Bible, it seems to me both the New and the Old Testament. Yeah, um, and you know, I think I think that there is that difference between a lot of the mores and values that that are found in a reading of the Bible in its ancient context, and between the values that evangelicals hold today. Uh, most evangelicals, even the, even the most fundamentalists, don't actually. Um, don't actually try to live out exactly what the New Testament says, for example, about male-female relations. That usually gets watered down to teaching gender complementarity among more conservative groups or among more liberal groups, even teaching gender equality. Um, and the, and there, there are just legions of examples. For example, divorce. You know, there, a, a strict reading of the Bible on divorce would suggest that a woman can only divorce her husband um, if the husband has committed adultery. Um, so that would rule out divorce even in cases of domestic violence, physical abuse. But that seems so impractical to most evangelicals today. So they've, you know, decided that, you know, we really need to consider contemporary experiences here and there are more nuances and we need to read this in its historical context. So I think evangelicals and the evangelical community brings a lot of that more nuanced contextual thought to passages that don't fit with their contemporary values. Um, and uh, they aren't willing to do that with the same passages on homosexuality. Um, so I think it's just the, the way evangelicals interpret the Bible really tells us more about their contemporary values and beliefs than it does about um, how the Bible should be used or what the, what the ancient authors actually thought about these issues. So what you're saying is, Jonathan, they're using the Bible just to support their, attitude, their attitudes and beliefs, but not necessarily anything that, that, that uh, is... So, that was it. In, that ha, that is in the Bible that is is um, specifically prohibiting gay marriage. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, you know, that's I, right. Um, yeah, yeah I, can, I conclude. I conclude one of the pieces I write by saying, you know, opponents of gay marriage aren't defending the Bible's values; they're using the Bible to defend their own. And I think that's really true. I mean, I think, and I think it's true of everyone to some extent. I mean, I think I think it's impossible to read a text or, or the Bible without bringing our prior beliefs to it and, le- and without those influencing us. I think the damaging thing is when people pretend that they're completely objective and that their experiences don't shape their interpretation. 
then, so what do we then do they're about on, that? Because they're, you know, they're, they're very powerful. To me, anyway, it's a very powerful position that they take, and the the, the right wing evangelical groups um, convince a lot of people that you know this is you know this is what the Bible says, and this is the way uh-huh. it is, and the way it should be that that uh, uh, gay people shouldn't have the right. The civil right to marry. So, what do we do about that? I mean, how? I mean, what? What? What do we? You know, if we accept the premise of your book, then then is there anything that we can do to change that? Yeah, I mean, I think it's. You know, I don't think it's necessarily that productive to try to convince the most conservative evangelicals to change their minds. Um, I just don't think that's going to happen. Uh, I think. I think what's more productive is to you know talk to younger people. Um, you know, a lot of younger evangelicals are much more open-minded on these topics than the older generation. Um, there are a lot of people in the middle ground. And um, I think what we need to do is sway those people. Um, one of the things that I think is valuable, you know, it's, you can acknowledge that, yes, there are, some new, there are some authors in the Bible who thought same-sex relations are wrong. But I think it's also helpful to point out that there are dozens of other things condemned in the New Testament and hundreds in the Old Testament that evangelicals don't enforce today. So I think getting that message out there can be helpful to help people see that the, the double standards and how evangelicals think about homosexuality in relation to how they think about other issues like divorce or female equality or even slavery or topics like that. So I think that's well said, well put. Um, I want to. We have about a minute left, so I want to. I have to have you on again because this is a very. This is an. And it, this the topic does evolve because it, it's a very interesting topic, and and so is your book. But uh, you can buy your book uh, online, bookstores everywhere. I just want to mention again: "Broken Words: The Abuse of Science and Faith in American Politics." And the author is Jonathan Dudley, soon to be Doctor Jonathan Dudley. Yeah, yeah, about about a year and a half. I'll be there. Yeah. Good. Can, <laughs> You'll have all the right degrees. You will. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. I'll have quite a collection. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, I'm gonna. Have, you probably will go on to next. Who knows? But anyway, love to have you on the show again, and thanks so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. I'm Catherine Zox, your social worker with a microphone, and you have been listening uh, to VoiceAmericaVariety.com World Talk Radio every Wednesday morning from 10 to 11 Eastern Time. Hope you have a great week, and uh, we'll see you next Wednesday. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode of The Catherine Zox Show. You can listen live every Thursday morning at 7 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America channel. Want to know more about Catherine? Visit her website at www.catherinezox.com. Be sure to join us next week for more interviews and great conversations with Catherine Zox. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Variety Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericavariety.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network its staff and management.